You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. Hello, everyone. I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to Language Nerds to Earth. This is episode number 35. Yes. In this episode, we will be talking about Lunar New Year. It's a very big deal. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about what it is, why it's significant, and where it's celebrated. And then we have some different traditions from different places around the world. And then we're going to talk about some things you can do that are lucky for the Lunar New Year. Yeah. And we got a comment from listener Leonard from last week's episode about American sarcasm. Yeah, so last week we were talking about British and American sarcasm and how a lot of times British sarcasm is lost on Americans. Mm -hmm. And we asked you, uh, especially if you're American, if you can come up with anything that would be mistranslated the way British humor and sarcasm is mistranslated into American English. Maybe there's some American terms that can be mistranslated into British English. Yeah. So let's hear what Leonard has to say. This is Leonard with a word or two of someone that that someone could say and would misunderstand if they didn't live in the country. So as an example, there are words that when said slowly and with several syllables and with some tonality would mean the exact opposite than if the word was just said quickly and directly. So here's an example. Someone in England might ask an American, would you like to run today? And the American goes, right. Well, the British person could say, great, I'll get my running shorts on. Or another one might be, uh, how how about if we study today? And the American goes, sure. Well, each case, the Briton might get his books out and wonder where the American went. But in this case, the word said a certain way can mean the exact opposite. So that's my share. And that's it. Have a great (laughs) whatever time it is. All day. Bye. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, true. The intonation of American English could definitely vary. Yeah. I don't know if it might, if it would be misinterpreted in British English. Yeah, I'm not sure, but definitely, like, maybe other speakers of not English might be confused. True. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And also, I think you would, you might need to be a little bit familiar with American culture to kind of get that maybe if somebody from the UK were to hear an American say that they might have no context for it and just be like wait so is that a yes do you really do you want to (laughs) do you want to go for a run or study or whatever but but yeah I think you're right especially people from uh, different cultures and other languages yeah probably have trouble with it yeah I'm imagining like somebody who you know speaks English but maybe not super well and yeah. they're, like, maybe excited to understand the word and just... Yeah, intonation is so lost on especially uh, newish language learners. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for that comment, Leonard. Yeah, that was interesting. I didn't think of that. Well, so let's move on to our language news. 
it's pretty exciting, actually, this language news. It is. So this article is about basically using computers to decode or translate ancient Sumerian texts, mm-hmm. which there have been some that have been translated in the past, but there aren't really any scholars nowadays who are proficient in it. So it's just really exciting because it could open the doors to more languages and yeah, to understanding this culture specifically more than we currently do. Right, so only about 10% of the texts that we have from the Sumerians have been translated, which makes sense. It's very difficult to translate these texts because Sumerian is a language isolate. But yeah, they're using machine translations. And uh, like Rachel said, this should give us insight into translating more ancient languages, which is really cool. Yeah, things that have not been discovered yet or have not been cracked. Exactly. Actually, it's a good follow-up from last week when we were talking about extinct languages. Yeah, some of the things that they have translated. I thought one of them that was really interesting was, you know, that they had, like, legal and scientific documents, beer recipes, financial accounts, and what they think is the oldest surviving great work of literature which is the epic of gilgamesh yeah that's so crazy i know it was written like four thousand years ago can you imagine like being able to get that communication from somebody like their their thoughts that were written down four thousand years ago yeah it's crazy this is what's going on in my life and i'm four thousand years ago yeah so it's pretty exciting really yeah There are 300,000 cuneiform tablets discovered to date. So the machine translation and analysis should help them translate a lot more texts a lot more quickly. Yeah, because by hand or by like human brain power alone, it could take forever. I mean, so much slower. Yeah. How many people are well trained enough in ancient Sumerian to be able to decode these texts? I'm going to make a bold assumption and say that it's not very many. Yeah. They're also talking about bringing back spoken Babylonian. That's so cool. Yeah. And also, um, just a note about Sumerian. It's a language and a culture of Mesopotamia. Right. Which was located in what is now Iraq, Kuwait, and parts of Turkey, Syria, and Iran. Mm-hmm. And... They gave us things like the 60-minute hour and astrology. Yeah, that's so cool. So they had a huge influence Mm -hmm. on modern civilization in a lot of ways that I think we don't all know about. Yeah, and apparently it was one of the first written languages. Right. Crazy. Well, cool. Yeah, I love that language news. Yeah. Let's dive into Lunar New Year. Yeah. It's a very exciting time in China right now. So what's going on right now? Like Right now, there are a lot of things being sold in stores for Lunar New Year. People okay. are going home to celebrate with their families, basically, to get mm-hmm. ready for it. So the Lunar New Year, just to give you kind of an introduction, begins at the new moon that falls between January 21st and February 20th. Okay. This year, it'll be on February 5th. 
So what is it? We have a really interesting explanation from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. They have just a really quick little story about Chinese New Year. So the legend of Lunar New Year is that there's this monster and his name is Nian. And Nian is actually also the word for year in Chinese. He's terrorizing the townspeople and everybody's hiding from him. So he can only attack people on the first day of the year, of the lunar year. And so the townspeople were getting attacked and were being brutalized by this monster. And finally, they discovered that he's afraid of the color red and of loud noises. Mm -hmm. And so the next year, they decorated everything with red, did a lot of fireworks, firecrackers yeah firecrackers yeah and he has not been back since yeah and the actually lunar new year is the night when the most fireworks in the world are set off yeah so it's a lot of people call it chinese new year because it's a very chinese tradition i think besides chinese or chinese influenced cultures I think it's also celebrated in some parts of, like, India Mm -hmm. as a Hindu holiday. But we're going to mostly be talking about Chinese-influenced cultures today because in India, I think it it falls a little bit later in the year. Yes. And I was reading something interesting about the types of years that there are. And so Mm -hmm. the calendar that we follow is the Gregorian calendar, which is a solar year. Yeah. Then there's also, like, a lunar year, which only follows the lunar calendar. And then there's a solely lunar kind of combined thing. Really? Yeah. I think in the Arabic world, they follow a solely lunar calendar. Ah, okay. Interesting. But it kind of takes into account the solar year and then adds months, like lunar months, because I think it said like seven lunar months were added per 19 years. Interesting. I think the Hebrew calendar is also solely lunar. Huh. So that way it kind of stays more in line with the solar year. I had no idea. That's super interesting. Yeah, I didn't know either. So I thought that was cool. Well, this year is year of the pig as far as Lunar New Year goes. So the pig is associated with wealth. Mm. But if you were born in the year of the pig, then... This is going to be an unlucky year for you, according to Chinese astrology. So right. there will be trouble and danger lurking in every corner. What year are you? I am the rat. Oh, okay. <laughs> what year nice. are you? I'm the dragon. Dragon. That's cooler than rat, honestly, but... <laughs> I do think it's pretty cool, but... But no, I think every year has its own strengths and weaknesses, so... If you're a pig, you're supposed to have a lot of luck when it comes to wealth, except apparently in your year. So Right. So we've talked a little bit about what it is. Yes. I think it has a lot of different significance in different places. Well, I think it's sort of similar to our new year. Yeah. Maybe a bit more, I mean, it definitely is more like family based. Yeah. But... It's also the same kind of thing, like it's a chance to make a fresh start and leave the past difficulties or past struggles in the last year and start anew. So I think it's kind of a similar significance in that way. Yeah, true. And it's the biggest holiday of 
the year for a lot of these cultures. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot of during this time in China, it's the biggest migration actually worldwide because yeah, people live in the city, but their parents or grandparents live in the countryside. So especially in Shenzhen, a lot of people leave town to go see their family. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that many people moving. Yeah. All across the country. They say if you're in China during that time, do not travel within China. Because you won't be able to get a train ticket or a plane ticket anywhere. Yeah. I saw some statistic that said, like, well, the tickets are only sold, like, starting at 60 days in advance. Right. And they sell, like, a thousand tickets per second or something like that. Yeah, I saw that, too. It's unbelievable. So let's start off with Korean Lunar New Year. Yeah. The word for New Year in Korean is salal. It's kind of similar to Chuseok. The Korean Thanksgiving. Yes. We mentioned that on the episode about fall festivals. That's right, yeah. You can go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Mm Mm-hmm. But they also wear, again, their traditional dress, which is called hanbok. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like a big family feast. Yeah. In Korea, the most important dish is takguk. Did you eat takguk when you were in Korea? Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I was totally underwhelmed by (laughs) takguk. So what is it? So it's a soup that's like a clear broth. And it has a lot of rice cakes in it. And yeah. when you eat dokguk, you become the next age. Right. This is a thing that's apparently also true in China. Most people have two ages. Like, they're kind of age based on when their birthday is and then their age based on the year that they were born. Mm-hmm. So you're born basically at, like, one, right? Right. Yeah, when you're born, you're one. And then... The next Lunar New Year, you turn the next age. Right. So even if you're born in, like, December, you turn, like, two in the next Lunar New Year? Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But um, when I was in Korea, I remember my students turned seven. They, They were six, and then they became seven after the solar New Year. I don't remember why. It was, like... Oh, okay. And then the new semester started after Lunar New Year, and they were the same age. So I'm not really sure what kind of new policies have been enacted. Okay. And I think in China, it's all over the place. Like, some people use their lunar age, and some people use their solar age. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, which is confusing. Yeah, it's really confusing for especially Westerners who <laughs> have never used that system before. Right. But yeah, inside the dakuk is these sticky rice cakes and they're white and i don't know i think it's an acquired taste like a lot of korean foods after a while you're Mm -hmm. like oh i can't wait to get some dakuk or some kimchi but for people who haven't had it before it's kind of like oh it tastes like broth and sticky rice basically (laughs) is that how you felt about it yeah i mean it wasn't the most exciting thing maybe yeah so another thing that happens during Salal is paying respect to ancestors. So they make like like an offering for their ancestors with food and with liquor. And it's like a time to honor the ancestors. Mm-hmm. And then they do sit down and eat the feast. Yeah. So that's good. All that food doesn't go to waste. They also eat yeah. it. Yeah. 
And then, this is interesting, I didn't know this, uh, the most common activity is yutnori, which is a board game that involves throwing four wooden sticks. But apparently it's pretty easy to play, and everybody in the family plays. And I was trying to understand the rules, I'm not sure I quite got them, but hmm, it yeah. seems interesting. Maybe we'll put a link in the show notes for a YouTube video of yutnori. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks interesting. I remember seeing these sticks. Um, they're round on one side and flat on the other. And the way you throw them, I think it depends on if they land up or down. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's Korea. Should we move on to Vietnam? Yeah, so in Vietnam, they also have kind of like a family altar and pay respect to their ancestors. They have a tray of five different fruits on the altar called... <laughs> I think you qua. Okay. <laughs> Which is five fruits type. Looks like watermelon, mango, orange, apple, and pomelo. That seems right. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, though. Uh, the colors for Vietnam for good luck are red and yellow. Yeah. I think Vietnamese culture is heavily influenced by Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. So just like in China, people in Vietnam usually return to their families during Tet. They might worship at a family altar or visit the graves of ancestors. But each region has their own customs. Mm-hmm. And everything is closed during these days. And right. They make a lot of food with a lot of preparation. Yeah, sometimes it takes days to make the food. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. It said some family members often take turns to keep watch on the fire overnight. Yeah. That was funny. So there's a yeah. lot of care that goes into the food for this. Yeah. I mean, just like in the West, whenever we have a big holiday, we spend a lot of time and attention on the food because that's like the main point. Besides being with family, Definitely. you want to make sure that everybody loves the food. So yeah. it's no different here. It's like some of the best food you eat during a year, usually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's stuff that everybody looks forward to. Mm-hmm. So what do they eat in Vietnam besides the fruit? Bande is a traditional Vietnamese cake. It's white, flat, and a round glutinous cake. Mm. They're usually wrapped in cut pieces of banana leaves. And it's mm. served with Vietnamese sausage. And it can be fried in to a thin, crispy, golden crust. Well, if you haven't been to Vietnam, the food there is really, really good. I know that pho has really taken off over the last few years, but everything in Vietnam is always very, very fresh. There are always fresh vegetables and fruits with it. It sounds really good. Yeah, I'm so hungry. (laughs) Yeah, it's making me really hungry, too. (laughs) We better keep going. Yeah. Well, one popular traditional food that we haven't mentioned is mut, which is candied fruits. Mm -hmm. And they're not so much part of the meal, but they are just kind of like little snacks. So people coming over can have something to snack on and they're kept in like beautiful boxes at the table in the living room. Mm, Nice. Yeah, like Christmas chocolates or something. Yeah. People in Asia don't really do chocolate, so they're all about that fruit candy. So for decorations, it sounds like there are a lot of flowers, so peach blossom trees, kumquat trees, and orange trees, and they might have orchids and 
chrysanthemums. Mm. Cool. And they put them around the house. and So it sounds really beautiful, yeah. like how they decorate. You know what? I just had a kumquat today oh, okay. for the first time. It was like a little fruit the size of a very large grape, basically. But it tastes like a cross between an orange and an apple. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Apparently, the kumquat tree is a popular decoration because the fruits symbolize the fertility and fruitfulness that the family hopes for the coming year. Oh, nice. Well, let's go to China. This is the one I'm more familiar with. Have you ever seen a lion dance? Like a video of a lion dance? I think I have, yeah. Okay, I'm going to post a link to a YouTube clip of a lion dance on the show notes. They are so cool. So (laughs) picture there are two people in the costume, right? There's one guy in front Mm -hmm. and then one guy in the back and he's the butt of the lion. And he has to be bent over the whole time, like holding on to the hips of the person in front of him. Oh, okay. And then the lion's face is, like, really expressive. They have, like, control of the tongue. And sometimes it'll be very cat-like, right? Like, they'll play with it and the paws of the lion will come up and he'll, like, pretend to groom himself. (laughs) But that's, like, the front guy's feet. (laughs) The feet? Yeah, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they have to be super flexible and they have to be incredibly strong because... Especially in this video that I'm going to post on the show notes, they're like dancing on pillars. Oh my god. Yeah, it's so cool. And a lot of times the lion stands up on its hind legs, which means the guy in the back is lifting the guy up in the front up and he like lifts up his feet. Yeah, it's so cool. It must take like superhuman strength to train to be a lion dancer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really, really want to see a lion dance. That's like one of my goals for living in China. (laughs) Lion dances are one way that Chinese people celebrate Lunar New Year. People give lucky red envelopes to especially children, and those envelopes will have a little bit of money in them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everything is red. All of our grocery stores, they sell like red decorations for your house. Mm -hmm. And outside, people decorate their houses with red lanterns. And this is something really interesting. Outside the door, people put this kind of like a square poster Mm -hmm. with the symbol for fu, which means good fortune. And they put it upside down because placing fu upside down is supposed to pour good luck into the house or business or wherever it is. That's cool. Yeah, so I read that, and today we went out and got our own foo with some little (laughs) pigs on it. Cute. Are you decorating your apartment with red lanterns and stuff? We did get a little red lantern that lights up, Mm -hmm. but not much more than that, because we're not really sure what else we're supposed to do. (laughs) Well, that's fair enough. I mean, it's not your culture either, so. Right, but it's really interesting. And actually, for Lunar New Year, we will be in Thailand. (laughs) Cool. And I think we might go to Chinatown just to see what they do. Because I haven't actually seen a Lunar New Year celebration before. Oh, okay. Have you? No. Did you go on a trip during Lunar New Year when you were in Korea? I wasn't there for Lunar New Year. Okay, yeah, that's right. You were there in the fall? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Chinese people will eat different foods for luck. Yeah. And I've mentioned this on the show before, like, people don't say the number four, si, because it sounds like si, which means death. 
So here's another example. People will eat fish, which is pronounced yu, because it's got the same pronunciation as surplus, which is yu, (laughs) and you want to have a bountiful year in many ways. I thought that was so interesting. So a lot of the foods that are eaten are because of kind of a play on words or homophones. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. Another example of that is is sweet rice balls. They symbolize family togetherness. So the word for sweet rice balls in Chinese is tang yuan. Tang sounds like tuan, which is group, and yuan is circle. So tuan yuan is a group circle and it symbolizes the family being together that's cool another thing that is eaten on lunar new year are dumplings and this was because they looked like silver ingots yeah from years ago not now i guess but right so they're supposed to resemble wealth right yeah a lot of these kind of reminded me of traditions that i know of in the u.s as well oh really how so Well, just like you eat certain things for different purposes on New Year's. Right, like black-eyed peas, right? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Eating greens for wealth because of green. True. You know, my family never did any of that. Oh, okay. My dad always has like a big New Year's Day dinner. That's cool. So, Where's your dad from? Like what area? South Carolina. Okay, so you think maybe it's a southern thing? A lot of it is southern, yeah. So like in his family or in South Carolina, they eat Hoppin' Johns instead of Black Eyed Peas. It's okay. similar to that. It's like beans and rice, basically. Okay. And that's for good luck. And we eat cornbread that's round and cake that's round huh. because those are supposed to like, you know, there's no um, finish. There's no corner, yeah. So I can't remember now if that's for longevity for luck or for wealth but anyway that's so interesting because they do that in china too they eat round golden fruits to symbolize fullness and wealth so oranges and tangerines the word is chong and it sounds like success which is also chong mm-hmm. and then the pomelo is also golden and round so it's yo which sounds like yo which is to have and that is supposed to bring continuous prosperity. So the more you eat, the more prosperity you will have. Oh, so cool. round things really matter. Yeah. Spring rolls, one more. Spring rolls, they're also eaten because they symbolize wealth, because they look right. like bars of gold. And they're called spring rolls because they're usually eaten during the spring festival, mm, Lunar New Year. I did not know that. That makes yeah. sense. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that either. You can make them any time, but that's when you're supposed to eat them. Huh, cool. So that's China. So Japan is interesting because they don't actually follow the lunar year anymore. Mm -hmm. They changed to the Gregorian calendar in 1873 to try and be more modern. But they still keep some of their traditions, but maybe they celebrate them on January 1st. Mm Mm-hmm. So, for example, they sweep the house thoroughly, which is something that is done in quite a few countries. Get rid of the bad luck and make room for the good luck. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, they scatter dried beans in every room of the house to chase away evil spirits. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And 
uh, Buddhist temples ring bells 108 times, which is how many beads are on the Buddhist rosary. Oh. And you can also watch that on TV, which is pretty interesting. So kind of like watching the ball drop, but watching the bells oh, ring. Yeah. yeah, true. That's cool. Yeah. And in Japan, Lunar New Year is called Setsubun. Setsubun. Okay. Some people celebrate the Lunar New Year, but for the most part, it's January 1st. Yeah. Bali is incredibly different from these other cultures that we've been talking about. So they celebrate in silence. Mm -hmm. Most people on the Indonesian island of Bali follow Hinduism brought over from India centuries ago. So it's an older form of Hinduism. And the word for the Soli Lunar New Year that Rachel was talking about at the beginning of the episode is Nyepi. So Nyepi is the new moon closest to the spring equinox. And they have a big festival on the eve, basically New Year's Eve, where they have music and it's a procession and they go to the main crossroad of the village. They do an exorcism to drive away evil. They have these big monster-like figurines that are made of paper and bamboo. But as you were saying on the day of Nipi, so the following day, everything is silent. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, so everything is silent. All of the streets are deserted and no fires are lit. People don't cook. They don't play music and there's no radio or TV. You're not supposed to leave your house, make love, or talk more than necessary. (laughs) That sounds terrible. Yeah, that does not sound like fun. I mean, like most of them sound like a lot of fun, but that just does not sound fun. Right. And I imagine it would be difficult to do that in Bali mm-hmm. because it's a very active island. Yeah. But apparently you're supposed to bring in the new year with reverent self-control. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they do do celebration as well with the festival the day before. Right. Yeah. So if you're looking for a fun festival around the world for Lunar New Year, maybe... Bali is not the most fun one on the day. Yeah. You probably can't get any good food on Lunar New Year. Yeah, I mean, especially for like an outsider, it would not be... I mean, if nobody's out of their houses and nothing's open, then you would just be pretty much alone, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is so different. It's really interesting how different actually all of those are, really. From Solal to Tet to New Year in China and Japan and Bali. I know. And they do have a lot of similarities, especially between like China, Korea, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Some things are pretty similar, but they each have their own kind of way of doing things. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's super interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about some taboos for Lunar New Year. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that you really shouldn't do if you want to ring in the New Year with good luck. Yes. Kind of like if you ring in the new year without a kiss on New Year's Eve in the West, then you're going to have bad luck. (laughs) So now we have a list of 10 things to keep in mind in Chinese New Year. So you should try as much as possible to avoid words with negative connotations. So, for example, death, sick, empty, pain, ghost, poor, break, kill, and more. Wow. Yeah. Another one, don't break ceramics or glass for Lunar New Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like, you know, don't break a mirror. So right. So you're some bad luck. Yeah. 
do not shower, clean, or sweep. And I think this is because you might be washing away the good luck that Uh, is coming with the new year. Right. So you're supposed to clean before new year. Right. Yeah, especially like what we were talking about with the good fortune pouring into your home. Yes. And you're supposed to put that up on New Year's Eve in China. Oh, okay. So the next one, do not use scissors, knives, or other sharp objects. Yeah. Scissors and needles shouldn't be used. In olden times, this was to give a woman a well-deserved break. Oh, okay. And sharp objects, in general, will cut your stream of wealth and success. Oh, Oh, so 99% of hair salons are closed during the holidays. Yeah, and you're not supposed to get a haircut either during this time. True. And haircutting is forbidden and taboo until the lunar February 2nd. Okay. Wow. All right. Noted. (laughs) Another one is do not visit the wife's family. Yeah, I haven't heard this one, but I have observed it. Okay. A lot of women are going home to visit their families, but their husbands don't come with them. Okay. This seems like a remnant of the olden days. But anyway, after a woman got married, she would move in with the husband's family when it was still like multi-generational and stuff. So going to visit her family on New Year's Day means that it will bring bad luck to the whole family. Oh. But they do go on the second day. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, Another one, do not demand... Debt repayment. It brings bad luck to both you and your debtor. Yeah. Debtee. A debtor, no? Like a debtor's prison? Yeah, you're right. It's a debtor. (laughs) And also you shouldn't borrow money because then you might be borrowing for the entire year. Yeah, so kind of like what you're doing on this day is going to set the tone for the whole year. So you have to be very cautious. Actually, the show Fresh Off the Boat talks about this a little bit. It doesn't? Yeah. The mom in Fresh Off the Boat for Lunar New Year, she has to make sure that everything is perfect. And she's very superstitious. They're from Taiwan. So she has all these things that she does and avoids to make sure that they don't get any bad luck. For the new year. Oh, okay. Similarly to that, you should avoid fighting and crying. Yeah, that is similar. Also, don't take medicine. That's interesting. Yeah, it gave some exceptions. Like if you have like a sudden illness or it's like a long-term thing, like don't stop taking your normal medicine, I guess. Right. Yeah, avoid being sick throughout the year is the idea. Yeah. Do not give New Year blessings to someone still in bed. Otherwise, they will be bedridden for the entire year. Mm, yeah. Kind of like the German tradition of not wishing me happy birthday until the day of my birthday. Yeah. Uh, one more. Chinese gift-giving taboos. So do not give clocks. Do not give watches. It's a reminder of impending death in Chinese culture. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Do not split pears. Yeah. I haven't heard that. That's really interesting. Uh-huh. It's a homophone. That's why. Fenli is a homophone for separate. That's funny. Yeah. And then other, some areas have their own local taboos also having to do with pronunciation. So the word apple is pingguo, but in Shanghai it's pronounced bingguo, which means pass away from illness. Yeah. So I guess in Shanghai you don't eat apples for New Year, maybe? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> well, cool. So that's pretty much all of the taboos. Yeah. 
If you would like to give yourself a little extra luck this year in the year of the pig, especially if you were born in the year of the pig, maybe take those into consideration. (laughs) 24-year-olds. Yeah. (sighs) Well, awesome. Cool. Let us know if you have any thoughts about Lunar New Year. If you are from a different country that we didn't talk about and you have something you'd like to add. Reach out and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And we don't have a Lost in Translation moment this week, but we are waiting for them from you. Let us know what you think. We would love to hear about your experiences. And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you can get all of the episodes as soon as they come out. Yeah, send us your Lost in Translation story. And as we've said before, it could be linguistic or it could be cultural as well. And you can send that to us either in a memo on your phone, to our email, languagenerdsdoearth at gmail.com, or we have a voice recorder on the website. It's super simple, and it just sends it to us automatically. Make sure you stop by our website, and we've got some other fun goodies on our website as well, some blogs and videos of our lives, so make sure you stop by. Follow us on social media as well, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. So we are there. Are you there? Are you following us? Do it. Connect. Go ahead and connect. Everything's about connections these days. (laughs) And of course, please leave us a review on iTunes so that people can find us. When we get more good reviews, then we will become more visible. Yeah. And then we can finally become millionaires from the podcast. Finally, yeah. Because we're really <laughs> close, but... <laughs> yeah, we're so close. <laughs> and tell your friends or family about it that you think might enjoy it. Word of mouth is a really helpful way that we can grow the podcast as well. And if you're enjoying it, it'd be awesome if you could just give a little recommendation. Yeah. Well, that is it for this week. We will be back. I think we can do one more episode. I think so, yeah. And see you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.